our technology it works on the oral microbiome and it's completely safe and consumable. And so it doesn't require water. Uh, you can swallow it, which is ideal for astronauts, it turns ah, out. Right, right. Because, yeah, with no gravity, brushing or other things would be a little bit harder. Yeah, and there's no dentists in space. Yeah. Yeah. The Medical Alley Podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. For over 20 years, the healthcare industry's largest companies have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision while designing and developing innovative digital products. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. The global team takes a personalized and in-depth approach to deliver secure solutions in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer state-of-the-art care through technology. Trusted guidance, global expertise, secure integration. MentorMate delivers digital transformation at scale. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Medical Alley Podcast. Hey, we've got a a very fun one today, Uh, an area of high technology of biotechnology in human health, animal health, and even in space. I'm so happy to be joined today by Dr. Emily Stein, the co-founder of Primal Health, to talk a little bit about the work that she and her team are doing, Uh, and maybe the place to start would be in space. So, You've got a dental health technology that's going up into space right now? It's been in space. It's been in space. Yeah, okay, it's what's hopefully going to come down. Yeah. It's, it's been on the International Space Station for 13 months um, doing oh, wow. stability <laughs> testing. Yeah, so um, our technology it works on the oral microbiome, and it's completely safe and consumable. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't require water. Uh, you can swallow it which is ideal for astronauts, it turns ah, out. Right. Oh, very, oh, right, because, yeah, with no gravity, brushing or other things would be a little bit harder. Yeah, and there's no dentists in space. Yeah. yeah. All right, so maybe we'll back up a second. Uh, what is primal health? What, what are we talking about here that you're up in space? Yeah, so Primal Health is a biotech company, and we're focused on modulating biofilms that inhabit the mouth. And it turns out that they're responsible for a significant amount of cost annually because of the morbidity mm. and um, other systemic diseases that relate to dental disease. So we're focused on really modulating what their microbes are doing that inhabit the mouth mm-hmm. to improve outcomes, both in dentistry, but also in healthcare. Oh, healthy. wow. Yeah, and I've I've heard this thing, this connection between the mouth and the rest of our body and health. But usually I think about, oh, we brush our teeth, we floss. You have a product, though, that is in both humans, both animals. Maybe you talk a bit about that kind of that current leading product, what it's doing and how you're using it in humans and animals. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'll back up a little bit. My When I was a postdoc at Stanford, my grandmother had rheumatoid arthritis and, and um, she also had Sogren syndrome, and uh, which is where your immune system starts to attack your salivary glands. 
And so dental hygiene became very difficult for her, um, both because of the lack of saliva, but also because brushing her teeth every day was difficult. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And living in assisted living, you know, she was unable to really do a good job maintaining her oral hygiene. And it sadly... Um, no one else was there to take care of her. Yeah. So she had a significant um, decay and had a tooth extracted and turned out she had a stroke the next day. Oh. And that's where I got involved because I found out that there was this significant link between cardiovascular events right. and dental problems. So, okay, maybe let's get really specific then. What I remember of the product from a lot of time, you were developing like a, a lozenge yeah. that for a person, say, who had a hard time brushing their teeth, they could take this lozenge and be able to maintain their oral health. Mm-hmm. It, is that still what it is? Like, what what yeah. is the product? So, so, so the product for humans is currently a lozenge. We're also coming out with a drinking water additive. Oh. And we have a couple of really strong relationships with payer providers in multiple states in elder care. Right. So, um, because they just cannot get to these people every day. So, senior care, uh, especially memory care. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Becomes a big problem. So, yeah. So, that's on the human side. And the um, animal side, it's a water additive um, oh. for, for basically going. So, the technology I'll back up is we found when I, when I was biohacking my grandmother's biofilm, <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, I found out that basically the big drivers of uh, disease in the mouth and inflammation is actually what's called dysbiosis, which mm. means you have the microbiome, which is all of the microbes that inhabit the mouth yeah. um, or a gut. In this case, it's the mouth. It basically, it, it, it becomes very, a loss of diversity right. in the mouth. And it, the certain microbes wind up overtaking mm-hmm. that cavity and form this biofilm that is really destructive and very inflammatory. And so what what we happened upon was um, naturally safe combination of prebiotic and a, an inhibitor that changes the metabolism. So we're basically hooding the entire microbiome compartment on a keto diet. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But it's amazing because in, in all of our sequencing data in dogs and cats and horses and humans, we're able to shift the uh, not only what they're doing, so their me- yeah. metabolic output, but who is living in that space by forcing um, nutritional pressure on that niche environment. Right. And so within seven days, we're completely increasing the diversity in the mouth. Uh, we're limiting um, the disease-causing microbes that are now scarily linked to pancreatic cancer, maybe right. Alzheimer's, that are harbored in the mouth that also give rise to gum disease and yep. scary things like that. So it's it's a not the sexiest topic, but it's the most one of the most important um, oh, areas. Indeed. And and I think incredibly important. You know, we've had rebiotics on the yeah. podcast before, another one working in the microbiome space. And and to me, that microbiome space reminds me a lot of where like heart pacemaking was, say 50 years ago, where we realized we could use electricity to treat a condition. And over time, we came to realize there were so many other conditions in which electrical and now other forms of stimulation could treat the body, often related to inflammation. It feels like microbiome is at a similar point where we're 
rapidly discovering how many different health issues are related to it, and now innovators are coming up with ways to address it. And, and I'm curious, what else, like what else is in the pipeline, or what other areas might you be looking at? Yeah, so the oral microbiome's quickly taken us to derm. Uh-huh. We're finding that the reservoir of a lot of MRSA and um, C acnes, um, in, you know, they they're they're inhabiting the mouth, and there's a transference between direct transference between the mouth and the skin. Uh, there's also it, uh, about a three to five day delay in the transference of microbes from the mouth to the gut. So you can actually by changing and modulating the microbiome in the mouth, we can have downstream effects. Right. Um, in dogs for now, um, Mm -hmm. with IBS. Oh, wow. Yeah. And on our human side, the mouth is actually taking us into women's health. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. UTIs are are indirectly linked to oral. Interesting. Yeah. Seems to be. I mean, we're still at the very early Early stages, but we're, we're, uh, the signature and the metabolic changes we're driving in the mouth. We can, we've actually done in human demonstrated the same changes in the vaginal microbiome. Yeah. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. I, I got to say that that downstream part of it is so fascinating that for so long, like medical innovation was really very direct, mm-hmm. you know, hole in the heart, plug the hole in the heart. Mm-hmm. But how'd the hole get there, right? And as we're finding more and more of these connections in the body, being able to treat the, the root cause issues or more upstream, less invasive, I I just find that fascinating. Oh, yeah. And the microbiome, I mean, it, when you think about humans and human health, I mean, we've co-evolved with the microbes right. for millennia, right? And so, and now we're using antibiotics and antiseptics and we're finding, oh boy, that wasn't a good idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, because it really does drive, if you're, you know, the hygiene hypothesis is really, I think, very predominant now and in and, and, then the amount of evidence suggesting that if you're too clean, right, you lack that diversity and your inflammation creeps up. I mean, it's like the old parents' advice of, you know, let the kid eat a little bit of dirt. Yes. Right? Like make sure they have that exposure and build that diversity up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah um, if I'm remembering right, you're a scientist by training and you're an entrepreneur mm-hmm. now, still a scientist. Mm-hmm. What? What prompted making that switch from being in the academy to saying, hey, let's bring stuff out, let's develop new innovations, let's go in the entrepreneurial route? Yeah, so I really am driven to make change. Mm. I think I'm, you know, call us a change maker. But yeah, my background is heavy duty academic microbiology. And then my postdoc was in rheumatology. My postdoc was actually seven years. My my doctorate was only six. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it was forever in academics. But it was real, real day, real life uh, problems, and there were, the solutions out there were inadequate or insufficient mm. or completely missing. And so that's I I'm trying to solve this problem. Right on. Yeah, we hear from a lot of scientists and a lot of physicians that they're interested in this world. They, they see problems. They want to make a change and maybe in a way they can't inside of the lab at an academic institution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any advice you give people like that, you know, knowing what you know now, thinking about that switch, how to do it or how they should think about when to make the switch. 
Yeah, that's it's always scary to leave the ivory tower, right? So um, I did it actually over the course of several startups. So I had a slow transition out because the security blanket was my paycheck, my stipend yeah. at, <laughs> as a postdoc researcher. But I learned how to moonlight and I learned through the entrepreneurial um, arena in the Bay Area, which was very strong mm-hmm. in medical med tech and biotech. I have found surrounded myself with just mentors, mm-hmm. um, try to find the good ones that weren't going to take advantage of the cap table too early on and right on. made some mistakes, but lucked out on several and just, you know, surround yourself with motivated people that, that are just driven. I mean, it almost sounds like create your own microbiome mm-hmm. of an entrepreneurial community that you know is conducive to moving in that direction. Absolutely. Um, any really good biotech hub like, you know, San Diego, Boston, mm-hmm. Twin Cities, Bay Area, Seattle, you, you really do have an ecosystem. Yeah. And it requires a good and solid ecosystem. I mean, as you've gone through that journey, I, I'm curious – have there been things that were unexpectedly or surprisingly difficult, right? I think we all know the journey you're on is hard, to say the least. Were there things that surprised you along the way? Yeah. Um, I think I've had to learn really the hard way um, how to date investors, Ugh. if that makes before you marry them. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about it from that perspective as far as relationships, but Mm -hmm. you really need to date them for a little while before you take their money. Make sure they're comfortable with you and the team and the business plan and the the, maybe the uncertainty as far as exit and exit strategy when you're just a concept. Yeah. Or when you've actually reduced things to practice and or you've got this prototype that's pretty solid, you know, you just need to know their their timeline and what they really are looking for. Because I yeah. realize some people <laughs> think they know what they want to invest in, but they really don't know. Right. You know, it's, I had that exact conversation this morning with another entrepreneur where I, I'd asked him a similar question. And that's what they said, like they early on they went too fast into taking money from the wrong investors, Mm -hmm. not building relationships early before they needed the money, and didn't end up with the right team around their company to move it forward. And they figured it out, but it was a lot harder than it probably had to be. Like it's almost that going slow to go fast. Yeah. Like I I can, like when I started Primal, I was literally – doing the work in my kitchen, yeah. in my apartment, doing high-throughput screening. <laughs> oh, that, that's pretty cool. Well, you did, yeah, I bought, I bought, it's amazing what you can buy off of Amazon. Oh my, tell you. Amazon and eBay, <laughs> I know. you can find whatever you need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, we just, I just had swabbed people's mouths and asked for a sample for free, <laughs> you know, it's like the microbiome is easy that way to work with most of the of the time. But um, yeah, so I took my time and I made sure what I had was real and I was, but I was motivated. I was like, what do I build for my grandmother? Yeah. Yeah. Right. on. And I wanted to own that part. And mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted to make sure it was real before I gave it to her and save. And so I didn't mm-hmm. wind up raising funds until we already had the product built and manufactured. Wow. Yeah. So you were, you were bootstrapping that part of it for uh, three and a half to four years. Wow. Yeah. I think I only spent maybe 
$18,000 total huh. doing it myself and then finding a good contract manufacturer yep. who wasn't going to take advantage of me. Um, you know, I filed the IP. Luckily, mm-hmm. in the early phases, it's less expensive. But boy, once you hit certain phases in IP, you need the cost step up quick. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. I, I've heard that from other entrepreneurs that there are ways to be creative on the front end to create a lot of value without having to go and spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if you can do that, by the time you get to the investors or the potential partners, you're in a much better position to negotiate with them and protect your interest in it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then knowing how to set up the first investment mm. is big. And I and I always suggest, you know, so this is my fifth startup. So wow. you know, I always suggest folks um, walk into their valuation slowly. Mm-hmm. So the longer you can go without valuation is is the best strategy because you mm. don't know what you're worth. You really don't early on. That's a, yeah, very fair, right? Like early on, the market is law is far away. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of risks. What is that worth? What is the idea worth? Yeah, and it's so funny too because you know we are a very interesting being as far as an entity because we've got direct to consumer products. We have clinical and. Um, we have this in, enormous IP estate, which we're now not, not luckily being courted by very big entities mm-hmm. for access to our, to our pipeline. But we're a, some investors see us as a CPG, so they're pegging oh, right. our valuation off of our revenues. Other um, biotech investors love our IP estate, but they're annoyed that we have revenue. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, is it, we're in a very interesting um, catch-22. Yeah. So it has has that required that you find the investors who just kind of get it? Yeah. Or, yeah. But boy, does that take a while. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And a lot of strategic. So in the microbiome space, there was this initial round or um, I would say a rush to invest. Yep. Right. And there was a lot of failures along the way. Right. Um, this is now the second wave. And before, we didn't even mention we were a microbiome company. Uh, we, we said biofilm only. Yep. And so now we're starting to use microbiome a little bit in our language um, yeah. at the corporate level because we're in the market. We're generating revenue. We've already value, validated the technology right. and our approach. That, it's, that's such a good point of like understanding the market environment. Because I can remember that that huge wave of investment and interest in PR around microbiome, and then so many of the companies didn't work out, some of them in really not great ways. But there's now, almost like the dot-com bubble, a handful of companies came out of it and were high quality, continued to move forward. And now we're back at a point where, yeah, the market is interested in it. So that that awareness and shifting how you talk about the company helps you be better positioned for partners and investors. Absolutely. And we realized how long it was going because we were so far ahead on the human oral side. We were Mm. like the first ones really out the gate. Yeah. Um, So now I'm like one of the key opinion leaders in the space for oral microbiome, which I never thought I would ever be. Uh, which is interesting and fun, but uh, luckily, you know, we just got pulled into animal because yeah. of the unmet need in, in dental for 
dogs and cats. Oh, yeah. And that's what sustained us through COVID was just product sales for the animal. Yeah. I mean, I, I can believe that. I'm, I've got two cats at home. I spend more money on them than I spend on myself. Yep. And when they've had to go in for their dental cleanings, right, it's, they have to be put under to do the brushing of their teeth, which is kind of an expensive procedure to keep their teeth clean. But we know that helps in the rest of their health. It sure I, does. I'd much rather have something I could just have at home. Yeah. Like, I'm sold. Yeah. And, and the really cool part, I mean, we're still at the infancy of understanding the microbiome, period. Mm-hmm. But in the mouth, it's like we're talking the soft tissue, like li- microbes live in a, the bone of our jaws. Yeah. That's how deep they are embedded into us. And they we're basically just Petri dishes. They swim through our tissue. Mm-hmm. And controlling them so they don't spread to where they shouldn't go yep. is a big deal. So that's where we're thinking yeah. yeah. So we're actually, it's getting us, pulling us into more systemic disease. Very cool. I want to completely shift, come in for a landing for a moment. And I ask just a couple of questions that we like to ask all of the guests when we can uh, to get some suggestions about what's going on in the world. So the first one I always ask, and this honestly is selfish because I need them. Do you have any good book recommendations for the audience or things I should go order on Amazon right now to read? Um. I contain multiples is mm. a good one. Um, right now I'm reading too much about dictators. <laughs> <because of our laughs> you know what? A timely topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. right on. Like how they think and mm-hmm. <laughs> how they become what they are. So uh, <laughs> it's not quite. Yeah, we're kind of living on that one. We're sort of living in history at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Podcasts are great. I've mm-hmm. been, uh, there's a couple of really good ones, um, but they're more on the political side right now. I'm really geeking out on politics. So, um, <laughs> but I contain multiples is a really good one on the science side. Very cool. And you're in a good spot for that, right? I always tell people we are a lobbying organization. This is a regulated industry. You know, if you're not at the table when it comes to politics and policy, you'll soon be on the menu. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was actually just having a networking breakfast uh, with an old colleague of mine from the Bay Area who also mm. relocated to the Twin Cities. Nice. They catching keep them up. coming. I know. <laughs> and we were just um, actually talking about uh, the tax credit, the angel tax credit that they had, which is why I relocated our startup oh, yeah. here. And that's right. Yeah. And then now it's not on the budget, but they're yep. trying to really get it back in. And I'm like, that's a great recruitment tool. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, and listeners, if you're wondering about that, that remains on the Medical Alley agenda. We'll be lobbying for that in this upcoming session. Uh, it's one of our top priorities because we know how impactful it is for so many startup companies and for attracting investors from outside of the state into the state. Hundred percent. Like yeah. the first four of my investors were from the Bay Area, ah. because of the tax credit. Right on. Mm-hmm. Love hearing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, second one, your choice, best or worst advice you've ever been given relative to your business. Be- uh, worst advice is is listening too much to my board. Ah, interesting. Best advice mm-hmm. I've been told. By the actually the I used to be mentored by the the gentleman who um, built the very first IV bag. What? Totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, he passed away from pancreatic oh. cancer about ten years ago. He was a lovely man, and he t- taught me a lot of good things. Number one, don't pay too much attention to your head. Mm. Listen to your gut. Yep. Which so few folks, especially technical CEOs, you know, we're too analytical. It- 
Mm-hmm. I've really had to learn how to listen to my gut. It is right about people. It's right about investors. It's right about, you know, uh, the next move to make. And yep, yeah, that that feeling mm-hmm. is so real. Mm-hmm. And when you hear stuff of like the gut brain connection, you're like, ah, oh, there's probably something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And last one. Uh, any suggestions on who you might bring on next as a guest? Ooh. Yeah, or anyone you'd like to hear. It can be local, could be someone national. We're always looking for ideas. Yeah, actually there's there's a couple of people. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're actually great uh inspirational motivators for entrepreneurs. I can yeah. give you some names I'm blanking on the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we will track not, them down. I'm not after. the name person, but I will provide those to you. You should um because they've written books. Awesome. Um but yeah, they're even better in, in live. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, thank you, Dr. Emily Stein, co-founder of Primal Health. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. And one last thing, for those who might be interested, where can they find information on the products? Yeah. So they can go to our website, um, www.primaltherapies.com. Our subsidiary that focuses on the oral microbiome is primalhealthllc.com. Perfect. Thank you, folks. We'll make sure we'll have that uh, in the show notes for everyone out there. And everyone, that has been another episode of the Medical Alley Podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure you go to medicalalleypodcast.org or you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Until next time, thank you.